That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real tech advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. If keeping your stress levels in check in the age of 24-hour news cycles feels like a near impossible task, you're certainly not the only one. According to American Psychology Association's annual Stress in America report, 54% of Americans say that staying informed causes them stress. Thankfully, Jessica Yellen is on a mission to change that stat with her new media brand, News Not Noise. News Not Noise, which offers a daily dose of news shared via Jessica's Instagram account at Jessica Yellen, provides information in a way that's designed to help the people understand the issues and talk about them knowledgeably, not induce a panic attack. Before launching News Not Noise, the award-winning journalist spent two decades running the gauntlet from MSNBC to ABC and finally CNN. In 2010, she won a Gracie Award for Outstanding Hard News Feature. For Outstanding Women, a report on gender disparity in politics. She also won a Peabody Award for Best Political Team on Television while at CNN and an Emmy Award for Outstanding Live Coverage of a Current News Story. In this episode of Work Party, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Jessica to learn what drew her to the reporting world on social media and how she's navigating negativity in comments and 24-hour news and why the media industry deserves a major shakeup. So welcome, Jessica, to Work Party, the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Of course. Awesome. So obviously, you know, you are an exceptional journalist, truly a journalist of the generation. But obviously, journalism has changed so much um, since I actually was a journalism major. I'm sorry, since you were kind of starting out in your career. So tell us a little bit about your journalistic path and how you got to where you are today. I started out at... Uh, my first job was in Orlando, Florida. I'm from Los Angeles. 
And I got this gig in Orlando as a one-man band reporter. Now you'd say one-person band, meaning like I carried my own camera. I drove myself to the story. I booked all the interviews. I shot all the interviews. I drove myself home, logged, uh, wrote the script, edited it, delivered it, and I was the voice and face in it, which was good experience for what I'm doing now. Uh, so up in Orlando and, you know, it was like, go to where you can get a gig and pay your dues. And from the Tampa, which was a big leap, I got a camera person and I started covering politics and I ended up in Tallahassee in the year 2000 when the recount broke out and I covered the recount. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things like what's happening, you know, in the middle, like total Forrest Gump moment from there, I got, you know, all this amazing video and. After a while, I got my first national gig. I moved up to um, New York where I went to MSNBC and I did the overnights there. So I worked from 10 at night to like eight in the morning overnight. And from there, I got a gig at ABC News doing the overnights, but then they also put me on Good Morning America during the day. And all along, I always wanted to be White House correspondent. Whoever would listen, I'd tell them I'd love to be White House correspondent someday. And they'd be like, that's cute, but you're working the overnights, you know. Or that's cute, but you know, you're covering a hurricane in Tampa until one day there is an opening at the White House. And because I'd said it so many times, I got the shot. I love it. So squeaky wheel gets the oil is the lesson there. But I love that you, you know, you really put in your dues and to your point, early days, it was like you were an early stage content creator before we had any of the technology <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> that we have today, which is awesome. So let's just talk about, you know, obviously your work has appeared in publications like the New York Times, the Atlantic, LA Times, but you recently decided to launch your own project, News Not Noise on Instagram, and essentially created your own news station, news channel through Instagram uh, with your own audience. So what drew you to social media over other more traditional outlets, which clearly you had spent the, the bulk of your career in? And how did you know that Instagram was the right place for you? So um, such a good question. You guys can at Jessica Yellen. It's my name on Instagram. And what I basically decided to do was after I'd worked in classic TV news for years, I became ultimately chief White House correspondent at CNN covering President Obama. I was sort of like had the job I'd always worked for at the pinnacle and for me, I felt like I wasn't satisfying my own personal mission, which was to make the news understandable and relevant to as broad an audience as possible, and especially to people who feel left out of the conversation. And I thought that there was another way to tell the news so it would engage more people. And I didn't know how to do that inside the system, so I left. And my instinct was that this would really speak mostly to women, and so I decided on Instagram because it has a more woman heavy audience. It turns out like the research now shows women and anyone of any gender under 40 don't resonate with the current way we do news. Like they all want information told differently. That's what drew me to um, Instagram. And also it was a way to reach an audience and test this whole notion that you can engage a lot more people in big news ideas if you just talk about them slightly differently. So like less jargon, literally explain your terms, explain what you mean. Ignore the stuff that's just like breaking news, but doesn't matter. Like that's what the networks will chase, but we want to focus on what actually has legs and matters to you and talk about it in a way that helps you feel confident instead of panicked and hysterical, like you don't know what's going to like if life's going to go on. I think that 
to your point, what one of the things that I love about the platform and, and Instagram and that what you're really utilizing it for is the live feature, right? So being able to go live in the middle of a breaking story, it, it, it feels like a completely new way to think about news. For me, it's a lot like what I did at CNN, which is, hey, Yellen, something's happening and get on camera. And you're like, oh, okay, going on camera. Like, that's how we worked in the networks, right? And so, especially in cable, but there wasn't really a platform to do that until, you know, on Instagram, you can do all those things. I can do pre-recorded videos. I could do produced videos. I could do written things. And then I do a lot of lives. I do a lot of live interviews. And I like that because you have interaction with the audience. The other thing that I really like is stories feature, because what I think I do is I give you context on the news. Like I tell you, help you know how to think about today's story. Like, you know, there's this story, but how do I think about how important it is and what the meaning is? And in stories, I do that by literally drawing on news articles and explaining what I think of this and or why from a news perspective it matters so it's like visually doing the thing i'm talking about so for all those reasons instagram has proven to be a like really great environment to do this it has its other problems as we all know but these are the good aspects and and it gets an audience where people are Hey guys, time for a quick ad break. Our advertisers help keep the work party going, so we super appreciate all of your support. Masoma, a female-founded, versatile jewelry brand built for layering, has become my go-to brand. Masoma's mission is to inspire confidence, spark creativity, and fuel collaboration. All ethos we can get behind here at Work Party. Masoma knows that every piece of jewelry a woman wears tells a part of her story, her successes, her celebrations, her failures. The earrings she bought with her first paycheck, the surprise pick me a present from her best friend after a bad breakup, the matching bracelets they got on that wild holiday refusing to take them off for months. As we grow, so too does our armor. From past loves to career milestones, morning to night, we wear our treasured moments knowing they have shaped the person we have become. They are on a mission to build a more confident, creative, and collaborative world, starting a chain reaction one link at a time. And the best part, Work Party listeners are getting 15% off their Misoma order when they enter Work Party 15 at checkout. That's misoma.com, M-I-S-S-O-M-A.com, and Work Party 15 at checkout. Exclusions include fine and travel cases. And obviously your unique approach to reporting the news has attracted quite an impressive following of over 480,000 Instagram followers, including Jennifer Aniston, Kerry Washington, Selena Gomez, as well as nurses, teachers, politicians, did you expect to gain the traction that you have? And why do you think your content is resonating with such a wide array of people? I literally had no idea what to expect. I really just wanted to test out this theory that people would want news information if you told it in a calm, clear way and didn't panic them. And I wanted to challenge to do that. And then it just sort of took off on its own. Why has it worked? I think the reason it's worked to be is... A, I'm super mission-driven, and I genuinely really care about doing it right, doing it better, making it connect with the audience. I, I genuinely think when intention aligns with your project, things go well. And it's this other, like, the moment is right in that so much of the news really people unnecessarily. Like, our world is hard and grim and challenging right now on its own. I think people need a release and relief from that. And they're tired of like classic news hysteria. 
And so what I've done is provided a way for people to take in the news where we're focused on like empathy and understanding rather than fear and opinion. And I really think that's what's resonated. Like, I feel like it's a win when somebody in the audience is like, I did not understand why this thing mattered before and now I get it. Or why did the power go out in Texas? Like what happens, like what's really behind it? And if I can explain that, like here's the real deal of why that happened. And people are like, oh my God, I get it. I see why government regulation matters. And they can take that forward into their lives and their decision-making. That's a win. Absolutely. And as you know, so much of building a platform on social media is about the metrics, the measurement, the engagement, the views, the likes, the reach, whatever it is. Is it challenging to stay the course and report the news without panic-inducing urgency when trends and data may be telling you something else? How do you decide when to follow your instincts versus following the numbers? I follow my instincts. You know, for me, doing panic-inducing stories doesn't drive up. Let, let me just put some more complexity on that. Obviously, all like the Trump drama got a hyper-engaged audience. And I see spikes when there are big news stories, like when the power is out in Texas, when, you know, there's a big new COVID surge. But that's how news is. People, more people tune in when there's big events and they that's fine with me. I haven't built a brand that's driven by, you know, measuring mega clicks. I build a brand that's about trust, loyalty, and the audience that I have is like really, really, really devoted, deep and trusting. And we're living in a world where there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of institutions don't have credibility. And I think since I'm able to build that with this brand, I think that's like our market advantage. I think that's what makes this a winning business over time. And it extends beyond me into like any content and, you know, other, you know, areas we embrace. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, you're not doing this for charity. You're doing this as your business. And so you're using platforms like Patreon to help monetize the content that you're putting out. So in terms of the future of news and and how we're sort of leveraging this, I mean, I think it's like previously people think about people making money on Instagram as like fashion influencers, right? But now there's this whole new world of true experts bringing that to the forefront, not needing, you know, like to your point, the CNN, the CNBC, not needing that platform to get the word out there and really able to do it on your own terms. So can you talk a little bit about the shift from working from a major corporation like a CNN to essentially starting your own business? Yeah, it's, you know, before you do it, you like I didn't know all the components, right? Like you have to be on you have to have a lawyer that you're able to reach out to all the time. You have to have like payroll and all these things, right? Because you're now, I'm now an entrepreneur. So I wear two hats. One is, or three, I'm the editorial director. I decide what counts as news. I decide what stories we cover. I now have enough of a team that I can sort of, um, that I can assign things and have other people execute on aspects of it. I'm also the on-camera interviewer and like anchor, if you will. And then I do the business side, which is, you know, should we, what's the next product? How do we monetize? Who are the sponsors? What does growth look like? And it's a lot of hats to wear. And that's one of the biggest challenges in the content ecosystem is, you know, content creators, we're all juggling. And so I do think that as we're, you know, we're going through this radical change in how the media looks and how we consume it, I think that's one of the pressure points that needs to be addressed and alleviated is solving for how content creators can, you know, do everything we do and have, you know, more support 
as we're doing it? Is there a way for that to evolve? But it's super like creative and exciting and independent. You know, I get to count, decide every day what I cover and what I don't. And that's so liberating. Yeah, exactly. And then also I want to, I want to talk about a video that you posted um, sort of like right after I think the insurrection had happened around, you know, specifically your team and talking about how, you know, a lot of people on your team are Gen Z, millennials, you know, younger, and that, you know, this was very emotional for you, but for them, it was something like, this is what we're used to. So can you talk a little bit about leadership, uh, you know, right now and how you're sort of approaching that? That's a really interesting question. Yeah. So the specific of that was, I was a Capitol Hill correspondent and then a White House correspondent. And I spent my days for part of my life working inside the Capitol. Like when you were watching that video of the insurrection, those were halls where I was walking back and forth on the phone, doing interviews with people like that was my workspace. And for reporters and people who've come up there, anybody who's worked on the Hill watching that was such a profound violation. It was like, this is not an exact parallel, but if you go into covering politics, you feel about our government and service, something akin to religion. Like this is what defines us. This is what makes us great. And to watch that was get defiled and, and allowed to persist without police, like rushing in and shutting it down immediately was, was traumatic. It's just full stop. It was traumatic to watch that. And I wasn't even there. So, and then I have this team of people who I'm working, who work with me, many of whom are in their twenties. And that day in news, you don't really like have time to stop and talk. You just go. And I just immediately started assigning. I need somebody. Can somebody write on this? Can somebody write on that? Who's grabbing this? Who's grabbing that? We need this video. And like everybody's just doing. And there was some point, I think the next day where I just let the trauma come through me. I felt it. And then I thought, oh my God, I work with these young people and I haven't even thought of reaching out to them to see like, I feel this way. They must be beside themselves. They've never been through something like this before. So I started reaching out to them to say like, do you want to talk about it? Do you need to work through your feelings? Like almost to a person, they were like, nah, like that's kind of, we're not surprised. <laughs> what do you mean you're not surprised? And I got schooled. Basically there were two things that played out there. One, they've lived through a period of extreme roller coaster lifestyle, right? Like COVID and Trump and, you know, racial unrest and all the things. And so just seeing another crazy thing happen wasn't shocking. They're so used to reality TV. It just kind of looked like reality TV. And then over time, it processed for the better. They said to me, you know what? We thought about it and we thought about our conversation with you. And you're right. That was crazy. And I guess I was just being a little bit flip. And I was thinking about it like it's just a TV show. It's not really happening. And the more we thought that it's really happening was. And I now feel bad that I didn't process it was a lot of the response over time. So I'm not going to pretend to have an answer for how to live through our crazy times with and keep your you know stability at all times. I just know that the thing we have to do is talk about it. And this is part of how I do news differently is like and acknowledge there's trauma like you wouldn't say that in most networks, but we got to be real for us to keep going we're going to have to find ways to process the emotional impact of everything we've lived through for the last year, individually and collectively. And the only way I know how to do that is by talking about it and creating space for people to share what they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what differentiates 
what you're doing versus from what a cable network is doing. You know, there's there's not much emotion in the news, you know, that we're used to. And I think that that's really important, especially given everything that sort of happened. So um, to your point, obviously, being vulnerable, having these conversations, tough conversations, you're also you know, you're getting a ton of positive feedback, but you're also getting negative feedback, which is just the way social media works. Yeah. So how do you know when to take constructive criticism to heart and when to tune it out? And what advice can you share for other reporters or content creators who may be struggling with, with getting that sort of negative feedback? I will say this is not an area of strength for me. I do have that problem where if you give me praise or you say, this is great, I am like, okay, and then if you're critical, like I'll spend time on that, right? Like the positive is I try to focus on a lot of people who say I couldn't follow politics. I wasn't following the news. I didn't understand. I wasn't even having these conversations until I started following you and you've given me the tools to participate and that and to feel confident that I understand what's going on. So for me, those things are like that makes my day. That's success. And I remind myself of that. The hard stuff is honestly, like I'll get some messages that are, you know, like just brutal mean, and that's much easier to dismiss, you know, like you're an ugly cow or whatever, you know, welcome to the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's like a rite of passage for being a woman on the internet. Or, Hey lady, I really want to know you. You need to know me. You're like, definitely don't do. Yeah. (laughs) Delete. But the things that are harder for me are so like, I like to mix in a little bit of stuff that's just culture or fun or whatever. And like, I've been covering slightly the Royal clash and some people email me, DM me so offended. Like, this is so beneath you. How could you cover this? How could you talk about this? You know, and I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like you can't make everybody happy all the time. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price point. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food, Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Knowing what's in your products and where they came from is so important. Small changes in the way we shop can have a big impact on personal health and the world at large. Public Goods members can buy all of the essentials all in one place. Plus, they ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives. The CBD and essential oils have been game-changing for my daily routine. The reusable food storage wraps and mesh grocery bags have become a household essential. And trust me, Winnie is living her best life every time I give her a bath with the oatmeal and aloe dog shampoo. The best part? We worked out an awesome deal just for work party listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Plus, right now, receive your choice of either a free pack of bamboo straws or my favorite reusable food storage wraps with your order. You literally have nothing to lose. So just go to publicgoods.com slash party or use code party at checkout. That is publicgoods.com, P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash party to receive $15 off your first order. Okay, let's get back to the episode. But on the flip side of all of that, you know, all the DMs you're getting, you have earned a long list of awards and accolades, including a Gracie Award, a Peabody Award, an Emmy Award. So, you know, how does it feel to be recognized for your work and how has it changed your career? 
Oh, that's such a nice question. It's a an honor and always confusing. Like you never know what will get recognition, right? Like you're just doing your work and you can't really focus on that stuff or it'll get in the way of doing work every day. One thing I have found in my career is sometimes there's this weird inverse relationship to the amount of time you agonize over something and the positive results. Like the things where I've just like picked it to shreds and reworked it 7,000 times and agonized, those are always the things that seem to just kind of be a blip and go away. And then the things that are just kind of come easily and flow are the things that this more lasting effect. I always try to integrate that, like, how do I make a thing flow if it's not flowing? I just think maybe it's a good awareness to keep in mind when one is agonizing that maybe more agony isn't the thing that's going to change this. Maybe you just need to let it go now. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your first novel, Savage News. Can you give us a quick rundown of the book? Yes. So it's a a satire. It's a, you know, laugh out loud beach read that's about a young woman reporter who is like super mission driven, thinks she's going to, you know, make a difference in Washington covering the White House and is working in like the crazy reality TV world of cable news and has to deal with officials and bosses who are like not paying attention to what she says on air, but really care about her, how her hair looks and all the struggles you go through as a woman in news when you're like, I'm trying to do the work. I'm trying to do, do it with integrity. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what is your Q score? My summary is basically it's about reporting wealth. And it's really meant to like give you an inside look at what it feels like to be on the bright side of the camera and have a little fun. I love it. And I mean, obviously that commentary is meant to be a satire, but it's it's something that we do face day to day as women in the workplace. So how would you like to see journalism evolve to better champion women in that in your experience as obviously being a very successful woman in the newsroom. I mean, obviously there's shows, the one with Jennifer Aniston, I'm like blanking out the morning show that kind of showed this yeah. whole experience of being this successful, powerful woman and how you still have to deal with the BS, frankly, um, that comes along with it. I think we need new institutions. I think we need newsrooms that are built with women as co-creators or as creators. I think we need environments that are crafted to reflect how we work and what we value. And I still believe that whether it's nature or nurture at this point, we do come at some stories and work styles differently from our male colleagues, not in a uniform way, not in an essentialist predetermined way, but I've just found through experience, my female colleagues care less about FaceTime. Like I don't need to be at work for eight hours just to be there. I need to get my work done wherever I am, which COVID has proven is a good thing. So like more freedom in that way. Also, uh, women want like the concrete version of the story. I don't want to hear only the bitch slap, what the rhetoric is. This, this schmuck said this to this schmuck and now they're in a fight. I want to know as a result of that, how is my healthcare reform going to change, right? Like much more concrete, much more like put a face to it. Give us the details. That's what women want in our news and how we're telling information. And increasingly, I think that's what people want. And I think that when more women are in charge and are part of crafting workplace values, both things will change. Like how much face time we have to put in the day and all the things that come with that power dynamics, 
um, kissing ass to the boss in certain ways. And the content and how we do the news itself substantively will also shift. I totally agree with that. Um, and excited for that sort of next generation. And speaking of, for someone who's listening, who's like a Gen Z, early millennial, wants to get into journalism, what advice would you give them on where to start? I would just get a job in a newsroom. I think that there's nothing that beats the experience of being in a news environment where you see how an assignment desk works and how a piece comes together and all the conflicting challenges of like appeasing all the interests in telling a story and getting it to air or print as it were. And I do think in this environment, you should try different things, like try a local news channel, try getting an internship in a network and try digital creative new options. It's like, I still, you know, you can call me old school, but a lot of the best, you know, avant-garde painters first trained as classical painters. They learned how the forms are done and the evolution of how we got here. And then they broke it all, right? And then they did their own version and went free. And so I still think um, it's enormously valuable to get some of that classic experience of learning how journalism works inside the system and the structure so that you can take that with you no matter what you're doing independently in the future. And that's especially vital in our environment where we are fighting disinformation and we're having this war over facts, being grounded in traditional reporting methods really helps with your authority and your execution as you sort of fight for the truth. Before we get into that, let's take a quick break to chat about one of today's sponsors, Verb. Do you know those days where you feel like your tank is running on empty? The days that you're tempted for a three o'clock coffee? Well, allow me to introduce you to Verb. Verb makes delicious 90 calorie snack bars that are gluten-free, plant-based, and have as much caffeine as an espresso. But that caffeine comes from organic green tea, meaning you get a smooth, long-lasting energy boost without any of the jitters. Whether it's a kickstart before my morning workout or a kick to my afternoon slump, I'm always reaching for one of their blueberry crisps or cookie butter bars, my favorite flavor right now. So I know personally it can be hard to keep hustling when your energy is lacking. So I've worked out a special deal for Work Party Podcast listeners. Receive over 50% off Verb's best-selling starter kit. This is a great way to try any of their delicious flavors. Go to verbenergy.com slash work or use code work at checkout to claim this deal. That's verbenergy, V-E-R-B-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com slash work. This discount is only valid for their starter kit. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode as much as I have so far. So let's get right back into it. I think that's great advice. Having that foundation so you know what to do and what not to do as you move forward is so important. So looking back at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give your younger self today? Take some of the pressure off, have more fun. And everybody tells you to listen to your gut. But what I've discovered lately is the real work comes in learning your gut learning the difference between what I want, what's natural for me, what my, what aligns and what I think I'm supposed to do. And in my life until recently, those two things were so confused that I had a very clear sense of these are the steps to success. This is what I'm supposed to do to get approval from my community. 
And that is what I thought my gut was, like strategic choices that got me to what looked like a win in my environment. And what I realized is that the real work comes in being still with yourself enough to know what's actually natural and, and best for you. When you can hear that, that's when you're able to align with your mission and have the professional success, the life success, et cetera. It's more pure and it's it's authentic. Absolutely. So what's next for News Not Noise? Like what's the vision for the brand moving forward? What are sort of, what's the five-year plan? My focus until uh, November was really arming people, equipping people with the information they needed to get out and participate in the election. I was very focused on voter turnout. And I'm proud to say that more than 20,000 people who follow News Not Noise say that they voted in 20 and did not vote in 16 or 18, but did in 2020 because of what they learned at News Not Noise. They felt confident. They felt ready to participate. So that's a huge win. Um, more than 330,000 people said they took a voting-related action because of us that they wouldn't have taken otherwise. So for me, that was huge success. Now I'm pivoting from that into a business. And you know the brand is more than politics. It's breaking down complicated ideas in your world so you can take action in your life. And that can apply in finance or parenting or any of these other spaces. And so for me, the immediate next decisions are what is the next product? What's the right next platform? What does short-term growth look like? I have a lot of opportunities and it's just sort of doing what I just talked about, which is getting really still and focusing and knowing like what's the right instinct and decision. Well, we can't wait to see what you do next. We're going to wrap with some rapid fire sentence finishers. Are you, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. The three traits that got me to where I am today are creativity, perseverance, instinct. Love it. The best career advice I've ever received is ask for what you want. The book I always recommend is am I allowed to say two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For substance and history and politics, A Bright and Shining Lie by Neil Sheehan is the most exceptional book, political book I've ever read. Anybody will love it. You don't have to be involved in politics. It's brilliant. And then for personal growth, An Untethered Soul. Yeah, the best. The future of social media is? Direct relationships. Platforms that give you direct relationship with your audience and then ways to monetize and build that. Mm-hmm. The only metric that matters to me is understanding. Does what I do, does it enhance their understanding of the world and help them understand one another better so that we can collectively live better lives? And in 2021, the news will be in your pocket. I love it. To tell everyone where they can find you, follow you and participate on Patreon. I'm at Jessica Yellen on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can find me on Patreon at News Not Noise. We're building a really fun community there where we do all sorts of like private Zooms with influencers and behind the scenes people. And my book is Savage News. You can buy it on Amazon. And it's so fun to be here. You're a great interviewer. Oh, thanks. Oh my God. So much pressure from you with the tech difficulties. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm panicking over here. No, thank you so much. It's been really fun. I'm putting that on the podcast as a quote from you. No pressure. (laughs) Um, No, but Jessica, truly, I am such a huge fan of what you're doing. I think it's definitely the next generation of what news is going to be. So however we can support you here, please just let me know. So sweet. Thank you. I'm really glad to connect. Thanks for having me. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.